I'm Dr. Megan Corredo, and welcome to Real Stories, a podcast that features the narratives of trauma survivors, professionals, and community leaders. Real Stories provides a platform for guests with diverse life experiences to voice and honor their unique narratives. During today's episode, we will be speaking with Ms. Fenoris Copes. Thank you so much for joining us. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. My name is Fenoris Copes, and I'm a retired teacher of 40-plus years and a retired uh, church administrator 30-plus years, widowed with four professional adult children, 13 grandchildren, one great-grand, wow. with two great-grands to be born in September. And I was raised after the age of eight in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tell us a little bit about your teaching career. So what did you teach? Where did you teach? Okay, I taught in, uh, well, let, let me say this. I started off in Philadelphia with my student teaching. And soon after graduation from Cheney State College, I um, taught in Philadelphia for about a year. And my husband was military. So then I went to Washington, D.C., and taught there about a year. From Washington, D.C., we went to Hawaii, where I spent five years. Oh, oh wow. that was quite an experience. Mm. And, of course, I came back to Philadelphia for about a year and then left for um, Frankfurt, Germany, where I taught, um, oh, my goodness, what is it? I taught GED, not GED. Yeah, I taught GED classes to uh, military guys, and from there I went to an elementary school. Matter of fact, it was elementary school number one in Frankfurt, Army. Okay. And and uh, I think, oh, and then I came back, and at the time when I had come back to the States, there were no openings. There was a freeze on jobs, mm. so I had to wait a while, but it wasn't too long. I discovered a, a daycare center mm-hmm. that needed an executive director. So I went on and signed up for that. And I did get the job as the executive director. And that was, and I enjoyed that so much, but there was no money in it. Mm-hmm. So I left there and went, came to Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, and I started teaching. And of course, they gave me kindergarten, mm-hmm. which I had never taught before. But do you know that was the best experience I have had in my entire life? What made it such a great experience for you? The children, they were believable, you know, and they believed anything I said they believed. (laughs) I mean, we were, it was like we were in space somewhere. I would tell them that a man came in, whereas I had set the radio, you know, I don't know how many remember this, but I had set a radio to come on at period, at the different periods during the day and I would tell them that I was the only one that understood what he said and he would tell them lay down or be quiet or whatever and and they believed it (laughs) so you know so you had fun as a teacher you have to have fun yes I did Mm. yes I did so what do you do now well now I'm retired I'm still working or volunteering in the church. 
I love to sit and look out the windows at the church and also here at home. Mm. Um, I love this. I can't, I mean, I, I love looking at butterflies. I always love bugs, mm. uh, lightning bugs or whatever. I think of stories of where individuals may be going if I see them walking past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see the, the community, the one I live in, the one where I go to church. I see it changing um, as far as the trees, the flowers, not so much as uh, not so much in individuals, but I just see it changing the nature changing. Mm. It sounds like you you really have a curiosity a curiosity for life and also um, are just kind of like constantly engaged and kind of being creative and observing, observing different things. Yeah. Well, I make myself, you have to do it. I mean, I have grandchildren now that's scared of spiders and scared of this, but I keep telling them everything that moves is living. Mm-hmm. So they're a living organism. So therefore you have to appreciate where they may be going, what they may be doing, you know, mm-hmm. and I love collecting bugs. Yeah. What kind of bugs? Any kind. <laughs> and when I used to travel back and forth to Texas, where a daughter of mine was stationed, they had the biggest bugs I had ever seen in my life. I would stick a pen through it and put it on a wall, post it on a wall. Mm-hmm just to see the different kind of bugs and try to find out, research it and find out what kind of bug it was and just, you know, and name it. Mm. It's so interesting that you taught all of these kids um, to love learning. And then it sounds like you also have loved learning. Yes, because I was learning. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. So we know that every individual, every community, every system has a story and every story includes both adversity and strength. Can you talk to us about some of the adversities that you faced? Yeah, there were quite a few, but maybe I can think of a couple. I have found strength in adversities. Mm. As a child, I lived my um, first year life with my grandparents in a rural area in Maryland. Although we were able to travel to a market every Saturday morning to buy staples, you know, we always had vegetables and meat to eat. Mm-hmm. And I say that because my grandfather worked on a farm nearby and sharing um, with family, friends, neighbors was a must. Mm. We had to pump water from a well. These are uh, what people call adversities, not to me. Mm-hmm. This pump was located outside in the yard. And during the winter, I remember how it used to freeze up. And my brothers had to go outside and use a burlap bag in order to unfreeze or warm it for another day, perhaps the next day. Wow. And the story could go on and on. And my brothers used to always say, oh, gosh, we're so poor. But you see, although some saw it as being poor, I thought myself as being blessed Mm. and even um, rich Mm. with what we had. Mm. You know, and I wish just some of it could be here for my children to experience. Mm. I don't know how long they would last, but it was an experience. Mm. So the above adversities just made me want to keep on working and moving forward. Mm. I didn't quite understand it then, but I sure do now. What do you understand now about what, what you went through then? Yeah, that you have to work for what you want. You know, you have to have a desire 
and it all can be fun. You can't just do things and sit back and say, oh, I'm poor and all oh, poor me and, and what have you. No, you have to think of it as think of someone else not having it and what you would do if you did not have it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just one of those things where where you're just blessed. I just feel blessed. I would never consider myself as poor in anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any adversities that you faced in, when you were a teenager or when you were an adult? Um, when I was a teenager, no. I, 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 no, probably I did, but I can't recall any now. Mm-hmm. I just remember as a teenager, I lived in Philadelphia. My mother's sister and um, her husband didn't have any children, so therefore they came to Maryland and, and at eight and took me to Philadelphia. And I was spoiled since I was the only child. <laughs> and, you know, but one thing she did was to keep me busy. I mean, seven days a week, I always had somewhere to go. And that's not including school. I'm talking about when I got out of school, it was dance lesson, and I couldn't dance. It was music <laughs> lesson. I, I never did have an ear for music. And I mean, I, Girl Scouting, which I hated, but I had to go. <laughs> so I had something to do every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't say that's an adversity, but mm-hmm. uh, it was just it, part I, of your life experience. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I enjoy. And of course, I enjoy. I enjoy what I had, ha, what I did now more than I did then. Mm-hmm. You know, because you never. <laughs> What they say, you never um, miss your water until your well runs dry or something like that. Mm, mm-hmm. And I have tried to do the same thing with my children. It hasn't been too successful. Well, it has been successful in some ways. Mm. Trying to keep them busy in sports or what have you. Mm-hmm. And being I have four children and my, and my husband and I usually only have one car, you know, trying to get them to be at a game or what have you. And sometimes all four children had to be at a different place at a different time. Oh, wow. At the same time. So it was difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, not unbearable. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting statement. It was difficult, but it wasn't unbearable. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to admit, so uh, I've been recording podcasts and I just have to say this. I feel a little nervous to interview you because you are my kindergarten teacher. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, just even like hearing your voice. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just feel the connection and I feel the love, but I also, you always kind of made us all a little bit nervous. So I just want to, I want to put that out there to let everybody, <laughs> to let everybody Is that know. Right? Yes. Oh yes. We knew to straighten up when you said to straighten up. Um, oh, yeah. And we knew we could laugh and we, we knew we could play. And something that um, I always remember, and and I've talked about this on different podcasts that I have been a part of, that I've been a guest yeah. on, and also in yeah. this podcast, and also in things yeah. that I've written, I talk about kindergarten. Um, oh. And I talk about you. And I talk about um, 
I don't know. I'm thinking about what you just mentioned about like it was difficult, but it wasn't unbearable. I just yeah. I just think back to your kindergarten classroom and how um, you remember that sign you had on the wall that said it can't, but the N and the T were crossed out. So it really, can be done. Right, right. And I have it on the wall in the kitchen. In your house? Yes. Yeah. That that message has been ingrained in me for my whole life, and I appreciate that. Oh wow! It has, mm. I, and I've I've even found myself like making that sign in in the artwork that I've created in my own yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! So it sounds like that message it can be done was ingrained uh-huh. in you even as a child, and then you ingrained that in the children that you taught. Yeah, well, my uncle in Philadelphia, he was a. Uh, I'm a 35-year Navy man, so, but he gave me that when I first went to Philadelphia because he he believed in, um, he wasn't very religious or anything, but he tried to do what was right. Mm-hmm. And one thing he did was to give me that, um, that uh, what I, I don't want to say poster, but gave me that framed saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have kept it for years. I even gave it to my grand, one of my grandsons that went off to college. Uh, but when he came home, I took that frame back. <laughs> I was going to give it to another, but I decided just to keep it in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you let him borrow it for a while. Actually, I gave it to him. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I took it back. <laughs> you needed it? Uh, yes, I did. Mm. Yeah. I think I we did. all need those reminders sometimes, especially that one. That's a powerful reminder that we can do it, that it can be done. You is, you're right. Mm-hmm. So I understand why you took it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So can you share a few po- important positive moments or turning points in your story? I think I can. Um, one positive moment in my life that I remember and that I will never forget is the day I had to tell my aunt and my mother that I was pregnant. Mm. A second year college student and the first of my family to attend a college or university. Mm. And I'll remember that look at her eye, my mother's eyes, look at my eye and said, okay, well, that's the end of all my wishes and hopes for you. And from that point on, I knew I would excel no matter what. I did receive my BA and my MA and started my quest for a doctorate at Howard University, Mm. although I never completed my um, doctorate. But anyway, all with four children. Wow. And after my second year in college, I married the father of the children, Mm -hmm. a strong uh, a strong military man from New York. Thank God he was all about family and the care of us as best as he could. Military life took us to Europe, Asia, Texas, Hawaii, and other places. Uh, Dr. Corrado, it was a learning experience indeed. I worked in the school system of each state and country that I lived. Mm. A major consideration was that all children everywhere I went act as children and learn primarily based on their culture. Mm. Uh, just a couple months ago, I received a letter from Florida from 
some guy, I don't even know the man's name. Anyway, <laughs> he mentioned to me, he just thanked me for being his teacher. And at that time, I think it was fifth grade. And he said his father at that time was a commander, uh, army commander at the base where we stayed. And he remember me taking him into the bathroom. Well, you know what I did in that bathroom. Yeah, he, I know. He said he was a monster. <laughs> but anyway, he appreciate the talks and the things that I did in order for him to um, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And and I keep thinking, I said, Lord, thank you, because I would be in jail now for mm-hmm. trying to do better, to try to make somebody else better. Mm-hmm. But some cultures I found were more educational, education-oriented than others. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you hear back from, from students that you've taught in the past? Yeah, I have quite a few. Uh, but I do not get friendly with, and I'm saying friendly, but I do not get shoulder to shoulder with them. I mean, you were a special case. But others, I, you know, I'm not afraid, but I, I just don't want to, you know, I, my space is very limited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And although I can appreciate it, but I I just cannot, Mm. you know, I, it was my own children and grandchildren and, and their needs and their wants. And then. No, I can't have too many people joining my little space. Mm-hmm. Right. That's terrible. It's really not. Um, I think we all need to have our own boundaries and yeah. we know what we can what we can handle and navigate and what is too much for us. And I think that that is OK. And I think that you have more than than dedicated um, and given to to kids um, oh, all throughout yeah. your career. So I think it's fine if you, if you want to have a safe space at home to yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Any other positive moments or turning points that you can look back on and, and reflect on with us? Uh, any more positive? Well, I don't like to be negative in any situation. So I'm just going to say that my life has been positive for me, and it's even more positive when I can tell others or help somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and when I say somebody, I mean anybody. Mm. If I can make their life better, then it's, it, it's uh, I think I've done what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So where do you see yourself in the future? What's your vision for the future? I, at this time, I have a short vision. I would like to write a book, maybe, or books based on elementary classroom teachings mm. where everything and everyone has a teaching situation. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I did have a book in mind at one time um, and I've always held to this, but I'd never started writing anything. It was called nursery rhymes were not enough. Mm. So I'm putting it out there. I don't know. Maybe someone else will be inspired. But mm. I want to read it and you haven't finished it. Well, I don't think you're going to read it because now I'm just... <laughs> Why not? There's still time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what you told us. It can be done. It can be done. Yes, it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, so would this book kind of be like you reflecting on your experiences as a teacher and then sharing some of your reflections with other people? Okay. Yes. That you can't survive having, um, saying nursery rhymes and the ABCs. There has to be some love within there, you know, the love and trust and, and you have to be almost like a parent to all those children because mm-hmm. everybody needs somebody. Now, uh, um, I needed the children. I needed you. I needed the, you know, the class as much as maybe they needed me. Mm-hmm. But I remember when some children would come to, to school, uh, did not have a, a T-shirt or the proper clothes on for winter months, you know. And many times, if I had the money, I would go to the store. And I don't think we had Walmart back then, but I would go to the store and get T-shirts and little things to give to them. Mm-hmm. There weren't many, but those that uh, needed, I did. Mm-hmm. So for teachers who are just starting out off now, is there anything that you would want them to know as they begin their career? Yeah. You'll never make enough money to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. But to, to get into teaching, there has to be a love for the child, not just um, the brains or anything. It has to be the total child. Mm-hmm. And that includes the health, the parents, whatever you can think of. Mm-hmm. So if you just want money, you had better go and get another job. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that a couple times, the importance of, of loving the children that you're working with. Do you think that's a rare thing for teachers yeah. today? I hate to say it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I'm you- saying that and don't really know that many teachers today. And the ones I did know, you know, they're only in the job for maybe two or three years and then they're out. Mm-hmm. But those faithful teachers that I know of, they're all retired or have gone on to glory. But the old school teachers, to me, uh, knew those children, knew where, you know, they were in with the children. They worked side by side with the parents. They weren't afraid to make a phone call or to go to the home and sit down, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So... I may be overstepping myself in saying that, but I really, really, really believe that you have to be closer than a friend to every child. Mm. They need you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What kept you going as a teacher for so many years? The children. I know I used to, (laughs) even my own four children, I used to cry especially at Christmas and uh, in the first few years. I used to cry because my classroom would be somewhere. I didn't know where they were. And I would be at home just worrying about the children. Mm-hmm. You know, are they being abused or did they get enough toys or books or whatever for Christmas? Or do they have enough food in their homes, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was the children. As I said, I needed them Mm -hmm. as well as they may have needed me. And I say may have because all of them didn't need me. And I realized that. 
So I'm sitting here and I'm tearing up and I don't know why I'm tearing up except um, thinking about you at home during um, during break when you didn't yeah. see us as your students. Um, yeah. I felt the love and I felt the connection and I knew that you cared even if I didn't see you every day for that time yeah. frame. Yeah. And I can't imagine how many other how many other kids experience that love, experience that connection and caring um, through all the years and years that you were their teacher too. You know, I remember one parent that came to me and said, um, "What have you done to my son?" I said, "What do you mean? What have I done to your son?" Because <laughs> by that time, you know, you've been in my class a couple of weeks. I felt though you were my child, not theirs. So I said, what do you mean? Well, when he takes a bath now, he wants to hear classical music. He's talking about Mozart and Tchaikovsky. I don't even know who they are. <laughs> I said, well, just let him listen to it then. You know, it, it was just so funny to me. And, and that did my heart so good that they would know who Tchaikovsky was and to the point that they would want to hear him on radio, mm. you know. But I played Tchaikovsky I just every other day in the classroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you played um, that, you played the song, The World is a Rainbow, every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And read the story, too. I love the books. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I just remember the records I had. I don't know if you were there, because I think this was later. I had found some records on Halloween and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it was just about fun. That's all. Mm-hmm. Fun and learning and connection and, learning, and love. Yes. <laughs> yes. When you have fun, you can learn. Mm-hmm. And when yep. you feel safe, you can learn too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, um, yeah. What do you think are the important um, elements in a classroom to help kids feel safe enough to be able to learn? The elements, um, well, you mentioned one, safety mm-hmm. first. And... I'm going to say, I don't know how you say it. I said safety, but I meant the, just the pictures, the environment, mm-hmm. the environment, mm-hmm. you know, pictures on the walls. And uh, I don't want to say a home-like experience, a home-like atmosphere, but I do want to say that it should be a learning environment mm-hmm. whereby, you know, um, if you don't feel like listening to what the teacher's saying or reading a certain thing, at least you can go to the corner and talk to a bear or something, you know? Mm-hmm. You remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, go talk to the bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to see, sit there looking at a green cement wall. Mm-hmm. Go talk to the bear and let him have your problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are there any favorite life-changing resources that you want to share with listeners, things um, that have been particularly meaningful to you? Um, well, I would like for, well, I don't know if this, this is answering the question. Or not. I would like for everyone to come together and just get along. Mm. Um, in our society, Rise of us sending people to the moon and what have you. Why can't we have guns to be eradicated from our society? Mm-hmm. And um, more emphasis placed on our children with their challenges, where they go, what they're doing, 
why they're doing it, when they do what they are doing, and mm -hmm. how it's being done. Mm -hmm. I guess my favorite, most rewarding, life-changing resources has to be keeping my family in church. Mm -hmm. There must be a village in raising the children, as we all have heard over and over again, mm -hmm. raising our children, raising their own children. But to me, church gives a positive platform, experiences, and encourages active participation. Mm -hmm. Being a member of a group of, let's say, positive believers, be it religious, Masonic, fraternal, or whatever, will lend itself to a path in survivalship. Mm. You have to have others to survive. Mm. That's really powerful. You have to have others to survive. Yeah. In a positive way. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? It can be done. Ms. Cope, you're going to have me cry on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm just so happy that you chose me to be on with you because this is something that has been in me for years. And generally, people just don't understand, you know? Um, and I have enough, another saying that I love to share with people. Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Mm. So. Thank you so much for your willingness sure. to have this conversation with me. I'm going to have to stop up my eyes. <laughs> it's like, it's like tears of happiness and appreciation and love and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Real Stories. The resources referenced by today's guest speaker will be included in the episode description. For more information about me, Dr. Megan Corredo, and my work with the story's trauma narrative intervention, please visit my website, www.storiesguide.com. Also, feel free to follow my story social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember that for every story of trauma and adversity, there is always a story of strength and resilience.